This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, welcome to Enemies. This is Lisa Trader. Duh. My voice is done. My everything is done. I'm in a bathtub in Finland right now, taping this sweet little intro for an incredible episode. It was really fun. I've written the recording the episode and being in Finland, obviously. I am so overwhelmed with emotions. It's very summer camp vibes. So if you've ever been on summer camp or a quick program or maybe study abroad or something like that, it's it's like that. It's like hard or just a set, like honestly. Um, but like hardcore connections, best friends forever and ever change, but will we ever see each other again? Time will tell. Um, I think it's incredible comics from everywhere can just fucking vibe. But I have learned that the U.S. is truly an enemy to the people. <laughs> I met someone and he was like, well, I lived in Serbia, but then the U.S. bombed my home. So I had to come here. And it's like, damn that. Well, so, you know, we touched on it in our last week and just how more strict it is in other countries to speak freely. The girls are really kind of amazed by my freedom and what I do and say, which is cool. But like we were drunk and I was talking to the cab driver and they're like, you're so brave. And it's like, I'm really. And obviously there's crime in the U.S. and violence against women. But like in that moment, arguing with the cab driver, talking, it didn't even occur to me that it was dangerous. And just like my... uh privilege and understanding of the world has been i don't know i don't want to read i want to okay i'm not going to read more i know who i am as a human so i'm just trying to like maybe end up with a history professor or a professor of some sort that loves history or a history teacher or something because then they can teach me everything and i don't have to read or an author just a history nerd i don't know but like I want to know more about geography and geopolitical shit and wars and history of life. And I can't because I'm, I don't want to do work, but hopefully I'll fall in love with someone that loves history and telling me about it. But anyways, um, so this guy, you know, they already know who this kind of person is, but I don't. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to get like the immigrant experience up in Lyra. Let's chat. And then at the end of the convo, he mentions that. Putin should have gotten a Nobel Peace Prize for curing COVID in one day. And I was like, oh, fool. They were like, yeah, couldn't you have told? I go, no, I wanted to hear someone. But also he kept being like, he hated the women prime minister. He hated the female president. And because they don't make any progress. So I asked what progress he wants. No answer. I asked if he hated women. He got very offended and said he had a wife. And it's like, so you hate women? Um if that's your only evidence of not hating them, is that you have a ring to represent a relationship with one. Not enough evidence for me in this Lisa Court room. Once he said the Putin thing, I was like, oh, you're an idiot. Okay, yeah, we're leaving. Thank you. If you love Trump, if you love Putin, and you think that he cured COVID in a day, you're an idiot. I don't want to hear from you at all. But it was just an interesting life. Um, I definitely, you know, like, learn, oh God, I just love reindeer. I got to like play with reindeer. Um, the finish, there's a lot to it. I can't like uh, this whole trip, like we've been shooting this TV show 
but then they want us to shoot behind the scenes on our phone. And then we do interviews before we go anywhere, after anywhere, before dinner, before bed. We rate the day. It's like I've recapped and analyzed this whole trip so many times. I cannot even communicate it to you. We will do a more in-depth thing. I should probably record an episode with the girlies that I met here um, and bonding and I don't know, but I'm in this, you know, with one other enemy of mine. We'll definitely have to be packing and unpacking. Like we moved locations every day or every two days. We never stayed anywhere for more than two days. Or we would go back to a location. We had to fly an hour to a place. I mean, I, if I can't, I can't pack and unpack and I have to do it again. I'm going to London and it's like, um, but at least I'll stay in one place and then New York and I'll stay in one place. But it's just it, my mental well-being is being challenged with my organization and my brain. And should I be medicated? Is ADHD real and anxiety? And does it live within me? And I can't pack and unpack and think I lost the shoe. I lost these shoes. Where are these shoes? This shirt. Oh, it's under here. Where's my hat? But we had meant to carry it. Thank goodness. Not an enemy. Also, an enemy is people like we had to do our hair and makeup for everything, for photo shoots, for press, for meeting the president. And the head of production's wife convinced him to get us a stylist. And thank God. And it really helped us. But fuck everyone who does not believe in hair and makeup and expects talent to do it for them. And I get like, or on personal adventures, that makes sense. But like to be doing these, like we did our hair and makeup in a bar to meet the president, the former president. It's like, do you have to hire hair and makeup for us? We can't do this. Not only that, but it's like, and you have this one anal woman who's like, five minutes, the show's starting in five. We're, it's starting in five. We're sh- the shoot has started. It has started. And it's like, no, it hasn't. Do you want me to come out with one eyeshadow eye and one naked eye? What the fuck are you talking about? We're doing our hair and makeup. We're not dilly-dallying. Don't fucking talk to me. I did advocate for myself. Like, everyone was incredible. We were obsessed with everyone. And then there was one person I did have conflict with. And we tried and it did not work. I communicated clearly after one time. And then I just went to the head person and was like, if you want me to continue doing good work, you better keep that bitch away. And he did. And I, I came up with great content for this. And then me and her, I were able to get along because she wasn't ruining my work. But um, I was proud of myself that I advocated and was like, no, I'm not dealing with this. If you want me to perform well, I can't do it. Let me touch the reindeer in peace. Also looking for love if anyone wants to come here and snowmobile with me in the Northern Lights in the winter um, with these badass babes I've met. Lots of themes to explore. We'll explore them later. I'm obviously holding on by a thread. I did get to sleep until 11 today and mm, my old world, it feels good. It's good. All right. This episode, incredible. I've actually only met... This comic, labor union organizer, magical, well-dressed, funny person, like a couple times. And I think we've been like fans of each other and have so many mutual friends and have been at a party to been like, what's up, girl? Like, why don't we connect? And so finally, uh, with the help of my producer, um, I got to have her. And we got to talk. And so you're really um, hearing a first time get to know you conversation with someone I've wanted to get to know. 
We talk a lot about immigrant things, work things, personality things, manipulation things. It was like awesome. Um, I think we did advice. Time is different and weird. I don't know where I am or what day. I just got an email to pay my rent. And I'm like, what is happening? So anywho, um, get super jazzed for this episode. Crank up the volume. Pump, pump, pump it up. It's Jenny Yang. Jenny, you are dressed very professional. It is intimidating. Really? Yeah. And, you know, reading about your bio and what you do and then, you know, very nice loafers, suit jacket. You really came to impress. It's just a blazer. It's just, it's just a blazer. <laughs> everything else like, is everything else is just like a tight bodysuit and jeans. That's it. Okay, but it put it puts together rich. You're giving off rich professional vibes. You could be on Selling Sunset if you wanted to be. I don't know if that's part of your repertoire of life. I feel like that's part of like an alternate alternate universe that I could have been in. I could have been a real estate agent for sure. Yeah, I see oh, 100%. that. Oh, hundred percent. Or um, one time, like a long time ago on Facebook, when we used Facebook, I like just asked because like apparently actors, they do these workshops where they tell you what your persona is. Do you know about these things? No. Where they're like, okay, snap judgment, middle-aged nanny. You know what I mean? Or oh, whatever. Oh, so like what you're going to go out for. <laughs> exactly. Like what's your vibe? And so I like, I was curious. I was like, because apparently actors used to pay so much money to get this kind of feedback from like casting directors and stuff. And so just on Facebook, I remember like, this is like when I first started doing stand-up, I'm like... Okay, if I were to, if you were to describe in a few words like what my persona or character would be just off of just my vibe, what would it be? And the best one is um, publicist for a mid-level rapper. Okay. <laughs> okay. I could see PR. Yeah. No, I yeah. what real estate PR, I guess what we do now, comedy, it is like yeah. assertive, chatty, yes. getting what you want and convincing people to do what you need them to do. Yes. We have to Selling be persuasive. Things. Yeah, and what do you think is the difference between persuasive and manipulative? And mm. is one bad or good, or it's just how we talk about manipulation that's bad? Like, I think it's a fine line. Okay. I think um, hopefully you have a well-tuned uh, compass for humanity. So you know, once you get once you get on the borderline of that, maybe pull back. Okay, but have you ever crossed the line and been okay with it? Um, no, I've a hundred percent been manipulative and felt really dirty about it you do you're not like fuck i killed that you're like um if if they're a worthy target then i don't feel bad like if it's my friend and i did it then i feel really bad but if it's like someone that could truly not lose anything from what i do to them it's fine my big manipulation thing is when people want to get off the phone with me i know how to keep them on longer so when people say like oh i want to go I know what to ask them for them to be tricked into talking to me longer. Like what? Um, it, just, it depends on who the person is. I'll be like, oh, wait, you forgot to tell me about that vacation. Wait. <laughs> you know, or I'll be like, wait, I know you said you needed to go, but remember you told me you were going to tell me about this one thing or I'll ask about a kid or something that they care about oh, or something good. they bought. Or like, and then all of a sudden I get them for 20 more minutes. And then my closest friends know what's happening and they're like, I see what you're doing. You have 10 more minutes. But... Um, even when I'm socializing, like I like to, I like a warning before someone wants to leave. I like most of my friends know to be like, I'm gonna leave in ten, so you have a heads up. What What's up with that? Why do you need that? I have no idea, but I hate when I like look and a friend already ordered an Uber, and it's like, no, 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 no. you need. I need a warning for you to leave. I yeah. need to wrap it up. I yeah. need to know what's up. I don't want people to leave. Just right abandon away. you. 
yeah, I want a warning. I want a heads up. I want a full wrap up session. We're both immigrants, right? Yes. We have very <laughs> strong issues around just cutting things out. That's why when I did a Zoom, uh, I used to do a Zoom show called Comedy Crossing. It was stand up in Zoom, but like through Animal Crossing, the video game. Um, I wanted to be gentle. Because it felt everything felt so stark and uh, isolating during the pandemic, and so at the end of the Zoom show, like after everyone does their sets, we do like a, a wrap up, like we go into the green room, quote unquote, and then even after the comedians leave, I like still hang out on my like video game island and like let the people just hang out with me until it's like okay, guys. And do you enjoy it, or do you feel like you have to do it for these people? No, I enjoyed it because I was also hurting inside yeah. during the early pandemic, and so it was cool. To just be like, see, we don't have to have an abrupt leave this meeting and just be like, okay, bye. You know, it felt violent. Yeah. And what is Animal Crossing? It's basically Sims, but with cute Japanese animals and characters. Okay. But right? you, but I read that you raised like tens of thousands of dollars yeah. through that show for Black o- Lives Matter. Over $40,000. All donation. Because I did like two, I did like two shows a month from like June until January. And were the animals the audience? No, um, real people were the audience. And then you would like come and view my island. And I like literally would like, I gathered all the materials and supplies to create an underground comedy club in my basement. So it looked like a cute little comedy club. And then our little characters would like, you know, traipse in, use a microphone. We would puppeteer ourselves while we did jokes. So you would have an animal doing your material. Yeah, or my character. Yeah, my character. Because the animals are the neighbors. That's why it's Animal Crossing. And then as cute little like toddler-like Japanese cartoon character humans, this that's how you can dress up. Have you seen the the new Netflix show that's like an old hit in Japan that just came out? Old enough? Yes. 100%. I want to watch it. It it's seems so good. nice. It's, so for those who don't know, it's little kids. I guess in Japan, they send kids to do errands on their own yes. very early to like learn to be independent. Mm-hmm. And then um, the country watches these kids fail and learn how to do errands. And like cope with like forgetting to pick up a watch on the way home. It's so cute. I used to do that. Like I I was in Taiwan until age five and I 100% remember going down to the corner store for my uncle to get him cigarettes and beer. So that's what's why I was a counselor at a fat camp a long, long time ago. And but I had a Swedish teen in my in my bunk. But because she grew up in Sweden, she was like able to drink and live. She was in the opera. But then like coming to America, she had to go backwards because yeah. no one could do anything. And there was all these rules. No trust. And she felt so restrained. Oh, it's the trust of it all. So then was it weird to come back and then suddenly you're in kindergarten and you can't even go to the bathroom on your own and you were like going to the store? No, I just I was very into pleasing authority figures. So I didn't it didn't care what authority wanted. I just did it. So if the authority was going to like let me go buy them cigarettes at age five, I'll do that in Taiwan. If in America to like listen to the teachers means I sing ABCs or the the countries or the countries, the states and their capitals. I don't know. What did we learn in elementary school? <sighs> That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always I like. Yeah. Then I did that. Seahorses. What else? What did we learn in elementary school? Addition, subtraction. I don't know. I just had very strong impressions of like. Not knowing English enough, but like having a very blonde, like American beauty type um, teacher in the first grade who had like freckles from her tanning 
on her chest. So like her her like. And did you love it? I loved it. I was like, you're so exotic. I thought she was blonde, blue eyed, and had like tan freckles on her cleavage. I was like, this is incredible. Were kids nice to you or no? Yes and no. Yes and no. There are a lot of other little immigrant kids where I grew up in Southern California, so I don't think I was that weird. But um, for sure, I, it was awkward. There was like a couple of little boys that would show their peens. Like, like why? And then they, like their name was like Dar. Like why? Yeah, but you didn't do uh, share, show and tell with your genitals with your Never. friends. Oh, I had a friend that we would do that. Yeah, no, I hear this about America, but yeah. I guess like we didn't do that or something. I don't know. Well, my big thing about like how you were treated was I grew up in a super Jewish neighborhood. Yeah. And then when I went to Iowa or different places and no one had ever seen a Jew, it was a culture shock to me. So in Southern California, there are so many different ethnicities and Asian people. Yeah. And then when you went, was it like a shock to go somewhere else and be like, oh, these people don't actually know who I am? Yeah, of course. Like, no, it was really weird and alienating to like not be able to communicate for like a year. I learned quickly, though. I learned English really quickly because I was only five. You know what I mean? That's like that's when you're really talking. So, yeah, I just remember, you know, having little bullies and stuff. But like there were always like snotty white boys. Always just a snotty And another, it doesn't end. And that's the thing. It doesn't end. <laughs> I um, my friend Kara Clank and I, we go on the road together to do um, our live podcast about Law and Order SVU. Yes. And the biggest, the girls are incredible. And a lot of the men are awesome. But anytime we have real issues in the crowd, it's the boyfriends that were brought with them and they can't handle that something's not for them. So they interrupt, they yell. One person ended up getting arrested from our show. Wait, what? Yeah, like assaulting someone, throwing tables, threw oh, a scooter dear. at the window, was on the lamb. Cops were searching for him. Like a true issue. One, the men just kept interrupting and yelling and shouting. Outing and it was just like, how can you, you can't, what is wrong with you guys? But I know, I mean, studying all this murder shit, it is like, these men will commit the worst crimes ever, and then their moms are like, he would never. Yeah. That isn't him. He would never. He was caught red-handed. And he it happens when the they're little. Best child. Yes, mama's boy, and it's like, <laughs> no one is able to punish these little white boys the way they need to be punished. Uh, fucking Dar and his little peen. But Darren was not white. Yeah. Darren? Dar. Dar. That's weird. I would what assume that's that a brown kid. D-A-R. No. Like, weird. Yeah, I assumed it was... Sandy blonde. Freckles. I wonder where Dar is right fucking now. I don't want to know. You know, you're saying that you were into authority and pleasing them, but then, you know, you ended up going and being a labor union fucking activist and... That's true. ...fighting things. So when did it break? When were you like, <laughs> actually, fuck authority. I don't need this at all. Um, I was like a big good... I mean, I'm still a good girl, but like... I was straight A student. I was like student body president in high school. And I really was a true believer of leadership. I was like, leadership. Groups of people coming together for a purpose. What'd you go to college for? Political science and policy. Okay. Like that Amazing. I already knew. I was like, I'm gonna do stuff. I was gonna be groomed to be like a politician, basically, you know? And um it was in high school, senior year, that I also started to separate from my friend group that I grew up with because they were all cheating and they were all like too cool for school and I was not participating. Like I was too good, like to, in my head, like ethics, you know? Um, and there was a big scandal to get arrested. We were all student councils, like 
good student types and they were arrested for stealing the master key and and changing grades and stealing tests and stuff. What it was a big fuck? thing. Yeah, it was drama. It was drama. It was like top story of like L.A., all of the like top L.A. local news stations like ABC, CBS, just like good Asians gone bad. Like, <laughs> But did you have to turn on your friends or the evidence was no, piled and no one had to include you? It was piled. They were caught like they were literally caught by the cops like in the middle of the night with a key. And like I didn't have to turn them in because I didn't know anything because I started to separate myself from them. You know, and so it was because I felt so disillusioned. It was like heartbreaking. It was like these friendships, these like literally boys and girls that I like grew up with, you know. And um, so it was in college. Did you also feel not included since they did this behind your yeah. back? Or it's probably good they didn't tell you they were doing it's this. It's good that they didn't tell me because I would have narked on them 100 percent. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, in my head, I'm like, this is like betrayal of trust of like, this is how goody goody I was. I was like, we are the student leaders. What are you doing abusing this power? You know what I mean? Because they were all like, we're popular and we're cool. There was just like, there's a streak of it that I was like, you get, we're being too elitist. Like, that was kind of part of why we were, I, I kind of separated, at least in my head. You know what I mean? Um, and I was probably just too weird for them. I wasn't Christian. I was like, always like, they were all kind of like conservative and like banana republic kids, you know? Yeah, but then they were and then bad they, boys. Exactly. That was their way of raging because they're like pastors kids. It's a whole what thing. What religion were you raised? Uh, probably like generally culturally Buddhist. Okay. And they were That's like evangelical one. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, college happened and, you know, college gives you language around what is happening in the world. And I was like, oh, I care about like social justice and like class issues and race and whatever and what happened to my group of friends and how we reacted to things as a part of our existence as Asian American immigrants and you know like so leadership is not just like an end in and of itself to be this nerdy student council person it's a tool for something bigger than yourself and that's that's when I realized I was like oh okay there's a thing called oppression and you know just all those words yeah and did you, and so you learned that all in college yeah. and how to be a leader my big thing about leadership that I've been learning is like what I think people get wrong is you actually have to listen <laughs> You have to listen to others and you can't just command. You have to know how to be wrong, admit you're wrong, like all of these qualities that you don't automatically think are leadership, but they are. Yeah, because we have this uh, these stereotypes about a very patriarchal male leader who's like, just you got to know it. You got to know everything and you got to speak with authority and, and you tell people what to do. Yeah. Yeah, but no. And then, so you are a good listener, a manipulator. You're doing it. <laughs> are we? Is this the conclusion you're drawing? No, not I would at all. No, I would 100% be way more manipulative if I didn't have a conscience. 100%. I've said this since, I knew this since I was young. Like, in elementary school or middle school, I was already really good at, like, selling cookies at bake sale. Like, I would just straight up call people walking out of the Ralph supermarket. Just be like, hey, blue shirt, looking handsome. You know what you need? Like, just... A child. Why would a child do that? So you could have gone into, you know, real. you could have gone into this thing of making tons of money doing, you know, evil shit. Probably. So what'd you do after college and before comedy? Um, I worked for the labor union. I worked for the labor movement. I I represented uh, like 85,000 public employees in Southern California, like L.A. County workers, L.A. city workers, like beachcombers, your nurses at the county hospitals, all of that. So I didn't realize this. So you could so you don't have to be a nurse to be part of their labor union or in charge. of it. So so I was not a member. I was on staff for the labor union. That was the like 
nonprofit that helped to organize things and run things for the members, right? So the membership dues pays for a you know a president, an executive board, and staff to support the organizing of the members. Does that make sense? So I was on staff hired to work for the membership. And are there good and bad unions? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And how does how do you yeah which or which like teacher union and all of the like <laughs> I think it depends and police union I guess they're the only ones I know but like <laughs> did you ever have to work for a union that you were against No um I I believe in unions in general and collective action um and tipping the balance of power that is over um top heavy with like rich people but like people humans are humans and the humans who run unions could be good or bad and so I left for a reason. I didn't like how toxic the work environment was. Irony. <laughs> we were fighting for workers' rights, didn't have our own. And um, <laughs> and um, I, I left because I was like, I'm going to punch a bitch in the face if I don't take this improv class. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> and what was that punch? What was what led you to the, the wanting to punch someone? What was that? Like, what qualities did this person have? Or like, what it wasn't were personal. Okay. It was more that the environment didn't. I didn't feel like the work environment rewarded me for what I was offering. You know what I was doing. I was working so hard, doing my job, not being supported. You know, typical shit. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I'm gonna punch someone because this is worthless, even though I'm making good money. But you know what? Let me take that UCB class. Hey, you know what? Let me take that stand-up comedy class. And what are the similarities between oh, yeah. those two professions um, or areas? Um, it's it's a lot of presenting things on stage and persuading people, for sure. People would be like, isn't it so scary to have to deal with hecklers when you're like a female comic? And I was just like, bitch, I was dealing with fucking aunties and uncles who worked as L.A. County employees who were ready to throw a chair at me because we weren't doing things right. Like, I had to talk them down. Like, listen, it's fine. We're good. You can say, show me your titties as a stand-up comedian. I'm fine. Like, <laughs> Yeah, wait. So you go, okay, so you're with the city workers and were some of their demands, why, like, why would they want to throw a chair at you? You're well, there to help them. Of course, but then, you know, sometimes they, you know, sometimes as we know, people don't, um, can cannot trust the people that work for them. It's like we're elected representatives for them. You know what I mean? It's like we're like working for them. It's like the way we would not trust like a politician who's supposedly working for us. Like be like, we elected you or we hired you. You're supposed to work for us. But why aren't you doing exactly what we want to do? And it's like, well, sometimes there's a rhyme or reason that we have to do things differently. And then they're like, fuck no, you know, or whatever. Like it just depends. Like when I was there, I was helping to start like a call center for this union for all of the members to call in with their questions. And they're like, is this taking away the personal connection that we have with the like business agent or the organizer that comes into our field? Stuff like that. It's like really in the weeds kind of stuff. But like they'll be upset about that, you know? And did you people are just being mistreated at their jobs. Correct? I mean, listen, everyone, no one wants to work, Lisa. Got it. No one wants to work. No one wants to Do you to want to work? work? We want to well, work. Well, we have the best jobs. We do. So and so I want to work. When I hear people like, I want to retire at 30, and to me, I'm like, I hope I never retire. Like, that's to great. me, it's like, I always want to do comedy. I mean, who knows Same. when that'll change, but that's because it's like a jackpot yes. life. That's we, a for different sure. situation. Yeah, we get to be delightful for a living, yeah. and that's nice. And we sacrifice other things, you know, yeah. like I've been on six, I'll, in the past two weeks, it's been six flights. So it's like, you Ugh. know, you give and take, I live in a room um, alone. Yeah. Like there are pluses and minuses, do I want other things in life? But overall, like I do want to 
yeah work no most people though hate their lives you know yeah. what i mean that's what i believe i yeah do you how do you feel about kim kardashian <laughs> oh you just have to get up and work um i mean listen at, at any point a successful person is gonna want to become like a guru you know mm. they're gonna have opinions about how to live your life listen, yeah we both, I feel like, have a measure of success in what we do. We get to make a living from comedy. That's already successful. I 100% can tell you how to live your life. I believe that. But I'm not going to do it. Do Sometimes. the things that Sometimes you I'll tell, get, tell other people I just feel like Kim, Kardash- Kim Kardashian Kim Kardashian is just like any other person who's accomplished some little thing or big thing. Like They will have opinions about how to do it. You know? Yeah, my big thing is she was talking to people that are like her. That's what someone said. Like 100%. she wasn't talking to you. No, I 100% uh, agree with all the criticisms and defenses of yeah, Kim Kardashian. Uh, yeah, that's what it, it's like. I love Both. to hate or hate to love her. Yes, that's how I feel about Taylor Swift. Love Same. to hate or hate to love her. I'll go to her concert. I'm getting the album. I watched but I her hate documentary. Her. Yeah, and to me, it's like, you're a fraud, bitch. Oh, after the election, you're going to say you're against Trump? Like, fuck you. Uh, Yeah, I did clock that, too. I was like, when did you get your backbone? Yeah, after you made your money, you know, after it was popular to say you like gay people is when you started liking gay people. It's like, I'm sorry that you're not... But also, I'm glad you said you like gay people. Who knows? Yeah. This actually, I'm wearing a JoJo Siwa scrunchie right now. Oh, that is branded JoJo Siwa. It, it is. was giving me JoJo Siwa vibes. Yeah, it's JoJo Siwa brand. The moment she came out, I went and bought it at Claire's. <gasps> oh, I love that. Yeah, I had to. And it's not like this teen needs my money. She's so wealthy. But yeah. it is fucked like right away how different she's being treated. In an 100%. Instant. And then she got like her haircut that made her look more visibly like gay. Yeah. The gays loved it. Apparently, other people don't like no. all this hate cutting your hair. Well, we were talking about the advice and the advice you would give people. Yeah. And I always say it's like um, when you live the truest self, like version of yourself, yeah. other people can't handle it and they don't like it. So it's yes. like if you hate gay people, that means you're not living your truest self. If you're like, yes, being trans upsets you. It's like, well, what are you missing that you're this, these people make you so livid? Yeah. And it's because you're not living your truth because you had to, you know, it, your life circumstances could have led you to not having the options to live your dream. For sure. But it is this thing of like, that's my advice to people. It's like, try to do everything you want to do at all times if that's if given the option yeah. that's the key i think so america we we like value freedom and individual freedom so much it's very different in from other countries way, but in a fake way exactly and so i don't know yeah do what you can to live your truth for sure try not to like let that let your issues then like flow into hating others like that's the worst part um and in terms of like being from Taiwan in terms of how your family or your culture deals with conflict or argument and then just like white America dealing with it. What are the stark differences on how you guys deal with conflict? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like there's a stereotype that like Asian people are like submissive or like non-confrontational. And there is some aspect of that, especially relative to like Western ideas of like, yeah, except if you're in a Chinese airport, exactly. Then shit's different. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, how can you be submissive and non-confrontational and never have gone to Chinatown to like elbow out a grandma for dim sum? Like, listen, this is, this is, this is, it doesn't make sense. Stereotypes are flattening and two dimensional for a reason. So I would say we are confrontational just in different ways. 
You know what I mean? It's just different. Like, so, you know, like your typical stuff is like, you definitely like, is like, there's all that whole like playing, like say you're, I, I made food for you and it's like playing down how much work I put into it and how, oh, it's probably bad. It's like, you know, now if you're going to be like, oh, it is kind of bad, then you know, like things like, okay, but she won't, she, sure he won't confront you, you know? But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you like make fun of it, you just, she just might say something later to her husband. But that's just in that case. Now, if we're eating out and it's our first time hanging out in a long time, like two different families are coming together and then it's time for the check. I don't know if you know this, but Chinese people will 100% full on MMA wrestle over the check who is paying for the check there are there's sub there's subterfuge there's little conspiracies just to make sure you don't get that receipt into the other person's hand because you're like my family's gonna pay for this there are famously viral videos of just straight up brawls just if that's so check. easy i always what i like to do is i i'd go sneaky and i go to the bathroom but give someone a credit card behind yeah. everyone's back and then there's no fighting at all yeah and i've taken care of it i've done it where it's so important to, to eliminate the confrontation as we're getting seated i'm like here's my credit card this is gonna pay for our table and is there a f- and then in front of the other family or no no no, no. as they, they go first and then you're yeah. like hey here 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 that's you another to way do to it. do it and where what does that come from just like proving that you can afford it or no? Or I if think it's, it's like, both. The, like being generous, like what is it? Um, I think there's an idea that you never want to be indebted to another person. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be gracious and you always want to be the giver. It's like a weird form of like, like power bottoming. <laughs> Maybe just like, you're like, no, no, I'm helping you. I'm serving you. No, I'm, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like this weird dynamic of like, it's like a weird form of aggression. Even though in the, within the culture, it's read as like being helpful, like being generous, and like do wanting people to... ask for help culturally? Um, I mean, it depends. Like if you know people, like people try to like, like you know, have you seen the movie The Farewell? No, The Farewell is really good. Um, in, With Aquafina, yeah, yeah. The the premise is um, a family just lied to grandma about the fact that she has terminal cancer. Like you just lie, like she's dying. But like you don't tell her and the whole family's like secretly grieving at first when this was a story told on like this american life people were like gobsmacked They're like this can't happen how do you lie to grandma about their term this is literally so culturally appropriate like that is exactly what you would do you would rather lie and concoct an entire gas gaslighting campaign <laughs> to like protect the happiness of someone rather than tell them the truth like that's like to me a, like a very strong indication of like when you confront and when you don't, you know, in 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 like at least Chinese cultures or something. Yeah, cultures. parents just be lying. Like they will not yeah. tell you if someone's sick or dead in the family. Like I found out that family Same. members are dead months and months after because yes. no one wanted to upset me. Yeah. Or like someone's on vacation. We'll wait till they're back in a few weeks to tell them that this person exactly. died. What what are they gonna do there? It's like it might be a cultural thing. Because I think for America, it's like, it would be like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Immediately tell me. Text me. Now, call me. Are you a, do you watch Bravo at all? You see- Sometimes. Vanderpump? No, I cannot get into Vanderpump, even though people love it. it they're just so immoral and dumb. But yeah. um, Jax is still not speaking to his mother because uh, she was not open with the kids how sick his dad was. Yeah. And so they didn't get... Um, 
as much time as he would have liked with his dying father. And so he has held that against his mother and refuses to talk to her. I mean... But I can't in a mil- I don't know her actually. She did raise a l- bad kid, but um, I think she was doing the what she, you know sh- the farewell. I think she was farewell lying. Listen, that's just the things that we do when so we think honest, we're being so loving. Lying is cool. Like you would never say you look bad. Oh, yeah, that would be cool because you you're valuing this other person's happiness or pride over the truth. Okay, I would say so. So, tr- and then here, tr- I mean, truth isn't value. That's the thing. American culture is like hard to grasp. It's just f- sitting on hypocrisy. But I guess yeah. most co- everyone is a hypocrite. But yeah, like, we're like we like the straight shooter. We like the you know. But then we don't. We like a Midwest passive aggressive yes. bullshit, and everyone hates New Yorkers. You know exactly, what I mean? exactly. But New Yorkers deep down are the most kind, community based. I think place yeah. I've ever been a yeah. part of. I love New Yorkers. Yeah, that's so wild. Um, what else was like in your home one way and then out in the world another way that you had to kind of marry in your heart? Because that's what's I always joke like everything my parents taught me was just like not valuable in this society. <laughs> it wasn't real. You know, they're very secretable. They don't want to talk to people. And I like to talk and just yeah. tell everyone stuff. And they're just don't trust anyone. But that's the communism of it all. Yeah. And they're always frustrated that I'm too trusting and naive. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I think my mom, it, it's weird because on the one hand, my mom and dad learned that shit was prejudiced in America. And so you got to watch out. But also they had these like ideas about Amer- being American and how Americans are. It's like, oh, look at America. They'll give you all the free napkins and condiments you want. You know, or whatever. Right. It's like the land of opportunity, you know. And did they take all the condiments and napkins? A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And then or all you can eat buffets. That didn't exist in Taiwan. Are you kidding me? Raw lettuce sitting out for everyone to consume nonstop. That is like an abomination. But we got hip to it because it's like, oh, my God, what is this thing called? Pot roast. Just a hunk of meat you can go and get over and over again. Oh, my God. I don't know if this is too blanket of a thing. So in all of Asia, buffets are not a thing. Uh, Before, no. Because Chinese buffets are like what my dad lives for. No, but back in the day... So that's like an Americanized, bastardized version. Yeah, when you're yeah. a poor country, why would... You'd have to be a king to have an all-you-can-eat buffet. And, but in America, Lisa, we can live as kings. I, I love a buffet. I love I, a buffet. I love a buffet. <laughs> I was so sad when Sweet Tomato Soup Plantation died. Bad name, Soup Plantation. Terrible, terrible. Not a 2022 name. No, but I'm glad I lived near it in West Hollywood, and I'm glad I got a few visits in before um, the pandemic shut it the fuck down. Yeah. So let's just... I saw Weird Al. There? Yeah. Getting a little ice cream. I love that. It was a thrilling... It's an equalizer. No, I love a buffet. I love getting high as hell and going to Sweet Tomato. Oh, my God. Those little breads. I miss you so much. R.I.P. Yeah, soup plantation. <laughs> <laughs> and you've always lived in California. Basically, yeah. I went to school on the East Coast. Where? Um, a fancy one? Yeah, like a small arts college called Swarthmore. Okay, yeah. It, that's exciting. It's it's fancy and nerdy. Like, it's very nerdy. And then that's when I learned about, like, rich white people. I'm like, oh my God, this is intense. My big thing, I've not been able to do it yet, but I have a fantasy, you know, um, 
you know when people assume affirmative action is how like a black person got into yeah. something and it's it's like fucked up yeah. and next time I meet like a rich white person that got that's talking about being in a fancy school I want to go oh did your dad donate money yeah that's like my fantasy <laughs> or like oh are you a legacy like I just want to yeah. like um devalue how they got in yeah so badly in conversation it just hasn't come up for me yet but i like live for that moment like smarmy lacrosse boys at swarthmore was my favorite target of manipulation what did you do to them i would just like cut them down like if there was any little in where i could get under their skin i just like there's this one time i just like broke down this one guy completely just like guess his life and it was accurate and it like fucked with him guessed it in what way Oh, just like, oh, you probably had an issue with your dad, right? Like, just a straight-up psychotherapy reading. You know what I mean? And just like, oh, and then, you know, you had probably had a brother who was more masculine than you, so that's why you're, like, so into, like, never lowering your jaw to people. Like, you always have to have this particular gaze. Like, just the And did you see thing. his eyes drop? Oh, yeah, he crumbled before me. But it was great. It felt good for a moment. And then later I was like, eh, no, but he deserved it. You know what I mean? That's, like, one of those people where I'm like, if I'm going to be manipulative – it was like the target matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether or not they deserved it. They probably did. They need this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, rich whites. I don't know. I, I learned about them there. And then I spent a summer in New York and that was great. I worked at a nonprofit that did affordable housing in lower Manhattan and Queens because that was kind of the direction I was going at the time. And then because my family is in the L.A. area, I, I was like, I have to come back here. So yeah, but that was my little like foray into being away from home. But then I came back here and I decided to go into comedy because I wanted to travel more. And that's what happened. So I did get to like, I get to like spend weeks or a month at a time at different cities. And how'd you switch from improv to stand up? I mean, I didn't even start in improv. I just did it at the same time, but I took, okay. but it was more stand up that like I focused on. Cause I always say improv's like, good job, I have your back, let's do it. And right. then stand up's like, ugh. Yeah. And I like that vibe better. I have both vibes in me. Okay. I do. I can be probably an improv person, but I think I'm too annoyed with myself to like be around people on a team forever. No, it's I don't I didn't like the energy. I liked the energy of a dive bar, sad, <laughs> sad, bad clothes. I didn't like the <laughs> friendship but but our friendships are very deep i feel most of my closest friends are stand-ups yeah because i took improv classes and then the moment i found stand-up i stopped going to the classes i was like oh i found my this is what i want right. to do yeah i think culturally i i feel a, a kinship to both because improv vibes is what i aspire to because i was like i want to be happy and have support you know and not just feel alone in the world whereas stand-up i get to be the more negative aspects of me <laughs> That's antisocial, maybe. <laughs> and talk about those things, you know? But still such a sense of community. My friend who grew yeah. up evangelical, she does not do stand-up, a very close friend. But she's she's not evangelical. You know, she's yeah. one of us. Like, she, people, but, but she, she was around, up. yeah. And uh, like Swedish Covenant. But she said, you know, they think they're the only ones who can have a true community or something like that. Oh. And then with comedy, when she started coming to the shows and hanging out, one of our friends needed a plane ticket to visit his sister who was dying. And we everyone came together and raised money for him immediately. And she goes, this is what so many Christians don't see. Like, they think they're the only ones who can, like, have a community that care about each other. And totally. it's like, you have all these, you know... Um, um, self-centered lunatic stand-ups who immediately someone needs help and it's like no questions asked like yeah. whatever we can donate whatever money whatever person we can ask a favor for we're going to make sure you see your sister yeah and so 
people come together. Yeah. Anytime someone needed a GoFundMe, I feel during the pandemic, yeah, I like donated. to see who's donating. <laughs> 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 and um, I meet no questions at whatever people could give. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like the the communities form in different ways. I think for me, because I had a, another career before stand up, I really identify and still identify most with the kind of Asian American political communities that I kind of grew up into. They're very like movement politics oriented, very communal already. Um, they were the ones that like I was able to make money as a comedian fairly soon after I started, which is very rare because I knew how to produce live events and shows. And those were the people that showed up. My super alcoholic um, <laughs> union staff co-workers as so well drunks. as, yeah. They're as, like nurses or something. As, <laughs> as well as the like Asian American community activists that worked in the nonprofits that I was also a part of. They showed up because like, I want to see Asian Americans on stage doing stand up. And so, you know, I actually don't hang out with that many stand up comedians, which makes me feel like a narc. But like. No, it's nice to have friends. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because I had a life kind of before comedy. And so, you know, in terms of that feeling of like, like we can be a family and we can be communal and like have community and support one another. I definitely got that through this sort of movement politics world. Well, yeah, I have a cool friend. We both know her. I don't want to blow her up, but like someone was recommending her to the seller, the comedy seller, yeah. and they were like, oh, it's like a family. And she was like, I have a family. <laughs> I don't need that to be my family. Thank you. But yeah. I'm happy to perform there. But like, I don't need yeah. to feel at one at this comedy club but does yeah. that's not what it matters to me and i thought that was kind of badass well, the thing is is like we, we if, we're, if our personal needs aren't fulfilled sometimes we feel like we need to get it from our professional lives and that's when problems happen sometimes and i feel like that's one of the things that i've had to learn is especially because i used to be a true i mean i am but like i i i came into adulthood as a true believer political activist. Like I literally was like, I am accepting that I will live in poverty in order to support the cause, whatever it is, workers' rights, you know, community needs. And there is a kind of personality and a kind of like psychology behind people who go into that. And a lot of it is like, I probably didn't get what I needed. <laughs> in my home life and maybe this applies to like entertainers too but like I didn't get what I needed in my home life or in my personal in personal relationships so I'm gonna seek this out and try to create it and call it politics you know sure but you could have also done that and gone into finance right but then and find that community at Bear Stearns exactly strip clubs like yeah. you don't but then some problems happen is when you have personal needs not fulfilled like daddy didn't love you and you're like just trying to do that as a priest or as a <laughs> or a community organizer but does that mean there aren't authentic people trying to help like no is there's there, authentic people but do they all miss something or is there are they all lacking from their home no, lives i think there's a risk of over identifying with what you do i think that's always a risk you know well that's why the pandemic broke so me many apart people. and a lot of us apart is because being a comedian is my full identity and then yeah. it was like oh yeah what am i without comedy exactly so I that's truly that's what have I'm nothing saying. i have knickknacks and like nothing else did you find an answer um i'm on that journey still i i you know i had to find worth outside of it because i couldn't perform and yeah that's where i get a lot of it i don't know if i've honestly figured it out because okay. while you were even saying like if you don't have your personal life fulfilled you attach to like professional yeah. stuff but for me i really want to find like a partner a spouse i want to be in love you do. yeah i really want that and i'm lacking that and i always have it's always kind of been a struggle for me yeah but i focus too much on my friendships 
My career comes kind of easy to me. I just like doing comedy and I'm really happy along and the you're journey. Good at it. So, and yeah, it's natural. Thing, but like obviously sometimes I wish I was not more driven like with Instagram it's hard not to get jealous sometimes. No matter 100%. how fulfilled you are with your stuff, it's 100%. like fuck, they're in that movie. Oh, cool. You know, it's it is um <laughs> especially in LA and every it's just like it has fucked me up more than before, but I yeah. am still grateful. But I pour too much time into friendships. Okay. And then all of a sudden I'm in my 30s and all my friends have partners and I'm all alone on an island. And that's what happened. And, and I'm then in you friendship feel, drama. And you feel let down. Yes. Lisa. And I put so much pressure on these friends who are like, I have a life, bitch. Like, yeah. I can only give so much and I have a family and I have children and I don't know. So all of a sudden all my friends have kids and I was so focused on who said that about who and let's do that and I'm loyal till the end to my all my friends yeah. and now I'm on this island alone and I still love my friends but it's just not it's it was like it's a different. surrogate relationship and it is different so exactly like, so that's, that's a great word career, for mm-hmm. that I will always do, it, that wasn't it I instead of my personal stuff or like whatever family weird things I had not being supported because of the cultural weird differences yeah I put into friendships that are not falling apart but it's unsustainable to put that much expectation on just friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean by like, you can kind of overly try to fulfill your personal needs in your professional or like public life, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's like the sad thing of it all. It's like, you're on the road, you're getting this attention, you're cl- and then you're like alone in a hotel, but yeah. I enjoy my soul. I've been alone. Are you a Hades Town fan? Are you a Broadway baby? Um, I'm not a Broadway baby. I do appreciate musicals. I do like them. I'm not. I cannot. I, um, I cannot claim to be a, a a musical nerd. I'm not a nerd. I I appreciate it a lot. Obviously, there's people more educated. But I was listening to Hades Town again yeah. for some reason, and there's a lyric, and she goes, "I've been alone so long, I didn't realize how lonely I was." Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> drag me." drag me because when you're always single I've only been in two real relationships so it's like when you're always single you don't even realize like oh fuck I haven't cultivated that part of myself yeah I was definitely uh, I have a fiance now and that happened during the pandemic but I just I literally dated for so long like I was just like single or in a relationship that was unfulfilling and then just very single for a year I would just kind of bop between that you know not like a serial monogamous the way people are just like linking it up like a fucking monkey bar you know journey but that always shocks me I don't get how you're compatible with so many people right so I would be like okay compatible maybe no actually unfulfilled I need to just take a break for a year and then I would just kind of do that and what's the the fiance of it all I think I just I, I truly got to a point where it's like all of the, I, I, I love self-help books and I just the things that would be recommended, they just started happening in terms of like how I saw myself and how I live my life. Like that whole thing of like, I re- truly got to a point deep down, not like in my head or like on a journal, in my heart, I was like, you know what? That last heartbreak was so heartbreaking. I would much rather be happy and alone than miserable with someone. You know, like, I don't think I truly believe that before. I think before I would just still kind of like try to make things work, even if something's not perfect, which is typical. Like so many of us do that, you know. And so I truly got to the point where I was like, I can make my own money. I have really great friends. I love my I love my inner world, you know, inner life. I truly will hold out until and not just get into a situationship until it's truly right. And that's when I was able to like sort through certain people and then find this guy. You know what I mean? So it just meant that like I would either like 
be super chaste and like see if a guy's like good for like a long-term thing or just hoe it out and just know that a guy is only good for like a physical night you know yeah before that i wasn't like that before that i would just be like oh, i can't really do one night stands i'll get emotionally involved and and if i get with someone i just kind of get too attached too soon probably even though i'm still also like trying to be play it cool yeah it's like one of those things like if you're happy with yourself and truly fulfilled in your life then it'll be easier to be a whole person meeting someone else well i was annoyed because i was like talking about it one of my friends goes you know you always find it that when you're least looking they say that i know i said yeah i haven't been looking for it the whole my whole life and now look (laughs) i look for i don't think that's true now i'm like panicked because i was never i never focused on it and i also like I would rather be by myself than some of the horrific f- relationships that I see out in my For sure. Sometimes I see couples and I'm just like, why? I would rather be by myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, I was definitely looking. I was on the apps, just swiping, you know, responding, whatever. So that's what happened. The, there's certain cliches that don't apply, but like that was one of them. And of, you met during pandemic. During the pandemic. Also, just like knowing how to draw boundaries. I think that was the thing. Knowing my needs and asking for that, that was a huge thing that like I truly had to learn, you know, being like, oh, actually, no, I don't want to do that. Actually, no, I need you to call me. No, I need you. to. You know what I mean? Like, no, we need to go on a date. Like I knew people like women, especially like cishet straight ass relationships like that women did that. But for some reason, it felt out of reach to feel so empowered to just say that or like somehow it's like unromantic if you ask for what you want, you know? Well, yeah, it's totally patriarchal stuff. I just saw every my whole life is a meme. Like I just like my <laughs> friends are. I have one friend who's like, you cannot live off Instagram quotes. Like life is more nuanced than that, but they do really touch me. But it's like it's been spun in a way that you're like needy or crazy or annoying if right. you're like, actually, I'd like to have kids in five years, or this is what I need and this is what I want. And it's like, oh, you're scaremont or this and that. And it's like, why are your needs being put on the back burner for any yeah. other thing? And I never like, broke up with anyone. Ever. I literally would just write it out because I was like, maybe we'll make this work. And so when I when that switched, I like started to like break up with people because I'm like, this isn't going to work for me. I literally that was my first time a few years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like actually saying, no, I'm the opposite. I ended up like I'll be in the middle of hanging out with someone and go, I'm actually out. Bye. But is you that good or bad? Leave my house. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Does it just occur to you in the moment or had you been thinking about it? No, like all of a sudden I'm just like, yeah, I don't want you to touch. I want you out of my space. Okay. <laughs> Lisa, I feel like that's a whole other podcast that we need. To what, it, what, it, what, um, what sparked for you in that? With my current? No, no, no. With oh, what I you? just said. I just feel like there's so much to that that I want to learn. I would want to know more. Like. Well, I think um, I'm learning how to be less judgmental, more forgiving. Because mm, um, that'll be your tendency. Yeah, to me, like, uh, for sure, I was, like, seeing a guy for maybe a week. This was years and years ago. And then he did come over and we were going to hang out. And I just was like, I don't want this. You mm. have to leave. And yeah. he was like, are you kidding? And I'm like, no, please leave. Yeah. I can't, quote, unquote, fake it. Yeah. That's, like, a flaw or positive of mine. Right, right. And I'm trying to remember, like, not everyone has to be your enemy. You can just be calm with someone. You don't, not everyone is everything that you want. And you cannot, maybe I don't trust this friend that much to tell him this and that, but we have a good time doing this. Exactly. And that's enough. There's a lot of gray area. Exactly. And I was, I don't, I don't know if I always had that, but also like the, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I shut down. I've 
I mean, recently there was like I went on a date and this girl came over and after 20 minutes I go, listen, you got to get out. This isn't working. Working. Is that why the show is about enemies? Because almost everyone can be your enemy. It was called enemies because I am conflict prone, drama pro. Uh, I do feel like yeah. because I didn't have the nuance of like, we're all just people trying our best. Like I put expectations on people <laughs> and they pissed me off. But also I am confrontational and people know when I don't like them. Like I fight at the t- comedy tables. Like I let it be known if I disagree with someone. Like yeah. I do I do have that, I think, in common with you a little bit. I think I'm more of a talker and you're actually a doer in action and I'm like full of hot air. And un- I overpromise under deliver is a big problem of mine. <laughs> But I care about justice yeah. and truth and yeah. uh, being real. And so when I see frauds or people getting away with abuse or yeah, just you have to like say pieces something. of shit. Um, and I just like people that, because there are comics and there are people where it's like, it's fine. We're all just trying our best. We were young when we started. Yeah. But it's like, you were a fucking bitch to me. And I want you to come on and admit it and let's talk about it. Wow. And they won't come on. <gasps> and it's fine. But it's also like, can't you just admit that you were shitty to me? Because yeah. I've admitted it. I had someone on. And I was like, I screamed at you. And it's because I felt this and that way. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Wow. And they were like, yeah, I was really insecure. And that's why I talked yeah. about this person. And it's like true growth. And we're like seeing uh, why we that. like or not like somebody. But other people, I don't think are ready or want to. It's a, it's asking a lot of people. And that's why this podcast had, had to grow into different types of communications. Yeah. Because my enemies did not want to come on. <gasps> That's I've gotten rejections or people say yes and then cancel because they have no loyalty to you. Yeah. And so or it's time to actually imagine what's going to happen across the table. And they're like, I don't like this. Or it's my ego too. like, what if I don't matter to them at all? Like, right. I'm so insignificant that they're like, yeah, I don't care to talk to you about this. Yeah, I feel like my tendency, we probably come from opposite tendencies that I've had to, like, become more confrontational, draw more boundaries. Right. Ask for what I want. I think. That's why I admire it in people like you who have that natural ability to just confront people if they think something's wrong. Now, I think it's correct probably as an instinct that your ability to do that in public settings or in, even in your relationships sometimes could get in the way of having intimacy, you know what I mean, with yes. friendships or personal like loves. So that's why like for me, my weakness was asserting my needs being more confrontational or just assertive, right? Also, you could look up, like you could say that's a good quality, but what I had to learn too is I needed people to act how I wanted them to act. Right. Instead of letting them be people. And I've ruined really great friendships. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, And we're back, but it will never be the same because these people annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. And instead of accepting them for the annoying people they are, I tried to be like, I don't like when you do this, 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 and this. And their feelings were hurt. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't, what am okay like yeah. you hate me yeah and it's like no i love you. and then it's like oh fuck i lost my friend yeah yeah that's aggressive it's like the opposite of the farewell yeah <laughs> but it's not how hiding anything totally so then that's the other thing of like learning like oh the behaviors come from this and i can't that's not my parents have no friends so why am i acting like them <laughs> i don't they have, i want friends i want friends <laughs> I want to go on vacation with a group of friends in my 60s. I yeah. want that for myself. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and my parents don't have that. Yeah, it is it is truly like how much of playing nice do you have to do? You have to learn that for yourself and calibrate. I, I, I totally get that. It's like... I, if I would if I ruled the world I would want everyone to behave exactly as I would predict which is like me you know it's like of course you do things this way that's how I would do it you know but it doesn't work that way 
But it is cool to hear you say like, oh, yeah, I can put up boundaries and I can ask for what I want. Yes, more so now. A hundred percent. I'm just a happier person now. Cutting people out that I don't need. Ugh. Chef's kiss. Yeah. But aggressively or just naturally letting it go? I, I think I naturally try to let it go. If they become aggressive with me, I've had to be like, listen, I really need some space right now. Because I'm dealing with my own shit, and I'm sorry. I think we've established that this was not the kind of relationship that you wanted. I'm, I'm not going to be able to give you the kind of relationship you want. Yeah, I just wish I had all these stories with relationships. It's all friend stuff. No, but that's still, <laughs> but that's also a playground for like the same dynamics that you would be practicing with a lover. Yeah, it's all the same. Just you could still practice those types of communications and ability to like talk yourself down from the like proverbial ledge of like judging someone. You know, you yeah. can practice all that. I don't know, Lisa. We could get no, into you know. It. But the intimacy of it all that you said, it it um, I would say in the past five years is when I was able to like physically touch friends in a sweet way. Yeah, I get that. I like couldn't really do that. I used to not be able to do that as well. It's just wild. I wish like we were taught earlier how long it takes to grow within to like become the person you are. Like even watching people in their late 30s and 40s like be in there and grow and change and it's like fuck, I wish we didn't get sold a thing of like you have to have it figured out by 25 or you're yeah. marrying someone. It's just like yeah. growing as a person is just taken longer than <laughs> <laughs> then they sell it or they don't even sell personal growth now maybe i think our like future generations might but like i don't think personal growth was ever on the to-do list of growing up that was sold to us yeah i feel like back in the day there were just more simple and lower standards for what it means to be a good person <laughs> you know i feel like we've upped the bar for complexity and nuance and how we treat people and it's still shifting of like, what's what does it mean to be a good person? How do you treat people the right way? You know, how do you deal with conflict a certain way? I think apologizing That's- often, fast is like the key. You're not a housewives person. This is what's there in Jersey, Margaret. She's yeah. always causing shit. Always apologize. You're right. Yeah. That was out of line. And yeah. I apologize. Yeah. And it's like so much better to watch. I don't know if it's more entertaining, but then the people that refuse to apologize and refuse to take um, ownership over their stuff. Yeah, I agree. Because we also realize that we act like dipshits. We're all going to make mistakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bad ones. Shameful, awful things. And you don't have to go into this. You know, it's like unfair to put this on you or whatnot. Um, Is there place for forgiveness when your friends act racist or say dumb shit in terms of race? Um, Where are your boundaries with that? Yeah, I feel like it's a there's a there's a gray area. I feel like there's a spectrum of shitty behavior that includes racist behavior or, you know, misogynistic behavior. I'm dating a man who came of age in the 80s and 90s and he is hip with it, tries to be with the times. But sometimes there'll be some antiquated shit, you know, as a straight man. A straight white man. Ugh. Was that annoying? Were you like, really? This I, is who yes. I'm in love with. Yes. <laughs> I have whole bits about it. But <laughs> sometimes he'll say some stuff where I was like, we don't say that anymore. You know what I mean? But I think it's good to interrogate fundamentally where does that come from? Is it because of a sort of a knee-jerk cultural conditioning thing? Or is it because they truly believe a certain thing? In which case you have to talk to them. But yeah, I, I have cut people out for being weird for sure. I cut a friend out for race stuff. Yeah. It was about me, but he implied that one of our black friends got a job because he was black. And Did not you talk for his to them? Skills. 
I uninvited them from Thanksgiving. Did you talk to them about the, this thing, though? The reason yeah, why? Yeah, he's like a full-on white nationalist at this point. He became like a Gamergate guy. Like, through our friendship, he became a Gamergate person. And we were all able to kind of work around it. And then it was post-election. We were in D.C., and he straight up was just like, black people commit more crimes. That's just a fact. And it was like, well, are they being stopped more by police? What are we talking about? Yeah. Do we even research white on white crime? Like, and there was just nothing. And then I had made a comment of like, I just hope one day I'm not helping any men make money off of me. Yeah. And I was working on a show with a friend. And he goes, oh, except for him, right? He gets to have that job. And it was just this implication that he didn't deserve the job that he got. And he only got it for being black. Yeah. And it was just like, that was like my final, like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. done. You I think, can't come to things. We're, we're done. No, because it, it's draining more than it's giving you, that relationship. It was draining you to be around such a shitty person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. It is fucked up. But then, you know, Sydney Washington was on the show and I had some, you know, like white people are just going to say dumb shit. And so I always am yes. like, you I, know. I had to accept that when I fell in love with a white man. <laughs> yeah. They're just, he I minim- said something super racist two weeks ago at a wedding and I was like, oh my yeah. God. Like, I know, fuck. It's like, no matter how hard you try, you're just like a, you're just. And they, you're just done. I don't know. I don't know the right adjective. No, we're, we're, we we get acculturated to just have these sort of knee-jerk reactions, for sure. Yeah, and so I'm always, like, grateful that I'm given certain grace. But then at a certain point, it's like, when do you decide not to? When is it too annoying, eventually, where it's like, actually, like, I don't want to keep explaining it. Or you keep fucking up. It's all contextual and, like, what this person means to you and all these things. Yeah, it's tough. We'll t- let's let's do an email. Yeah. Yeah, we'll end with an email. Yes. This will be good. Um, okay. Newish friend footsie or Kansas is my enemy? <gasps> Kansas is my enemy. Okay. <clears throat> hey, Lisa, it's sweet. Um, first of all, I want to say I love this podcast. And I also want to say that my enemy right now is you. On this podcast, Enemies, and on your other podcast, That's Messed Up, all you ever talk about is how you love Kansas. And in the past episode with Jordan Carlos, you said the same thing. And I'm just like, does she not know how deep of a hatred I have for this state? I was in an emotionally abusive relationship with this absolute loser from Kansas um, for a year and a half, and like when he dumped me, he told me how his grandpa died, and then immediately afterwards he told me that he cheated on me, and um, he told me I was completely unmotivated and I had nothing going on with my life, and that just hearing you say the first syllable, it's triggering, and I would really appreciate it if you stop bringing up that state. It's like. It's, it's almost like an attack at this point, how much you love it and how much you speak about it. Also, I think that me and my sister, my ultimate enemy, would make perfect guests on your show. We're twins and we live together, so all we ever do is beef. And all we ever do is have just ridiculous things to hate each other over and not speak to each other over for like three hours and then we make up and then talk about it for hours in tears. But... I just want to say that I love the I love the podcast. Hate you for talking about Kansas. And if you want to talk to me and my sis, um, my cat is eating a ring right now. So let me hurry up. He's eating one of my fucking rings off the floor. But yeah, 
if you want to chat with me, um, I'll email you too, and we'll talk there. But have a great day. Love the podcast, but you and I are in the Stop talking about Kansas. I didn't realize I talk about Kansas that much. <laughs> I just had a weekend there, and the people that came to the, my show were great. I don't love Kansas at all. But I also confuse Kansas and Oklahoma like that. Nebraska, they're all one to me too. Like I also don't know because it's like, where was Black Wall Street? Was it in Kansas or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Yeah, but I don't love Kansas. I had a good time there though yeah but i don't love it i swear if that's the only reason i'm your enemy i don't love kansas yeah i I I do truly feel like this is misplaced anger toward you like (laughs) you know you're not really you love the podcast but hate lisa no you love lisa okay she gives you this delightful thing called this podcast and others so that's why you love her she's not your enemy i think that was just a, a, a misguided way to pitch herself to be a guest she could be a guest with this twin i'm very curious i mean she's people. giving huge chaotic dramatic energy yeah well that's the thing i have one friend who was like when i had all this drama in my life she's like i don't know why don't you have less dramatic friends and it's like i don't think that's an option i'm a part of it like what are you talking about no I don't love Kansas, but you're you can have great times in a place because of the friends that are there. Yeah. The club was great. Of course. They had Nintendo. They took care of me. I met great people. They brought me gifts. Like yeah. I don't know. I just I enjoyed the hotel was fine. Yes. But I do not love Kansas. The flat roads, it's not for me. Yeah. I have a feeling your listener will get over it. Just <laughs> you was, know <laughs> Apparently she's like mad that you even mentioned the word Kansas yeah which is tough because now we have to address it so I'm talking about Kansas more but unless I go back and then have a good time but you could have a good time anywhere I think that's the lesson that you're figuring out and you had a bad experience there and maybe it's not that cool of a state but you can have fun anywhere this makes me want to know why do you think you're dramatic are you the kind of person that like will always be checking with your friends like do you hate me I was. I definitely had a crying session like a few months ago to each one of my good friends here where I was like, I just feel like you don't like me because of this. And they had to reassure me it was not true. Um, Someone gave me an immigrant tale about the drama. My Oh, my sister, somebody. My sister (laughs) said because we had such dramatic upbringings that I like crave that Mm. because we had yelling on this that makes you feel close it made you feel close that's like how you connect yeah yeah that's and with it where it's like i hold on to stuff because we didn't have things and my sister we all hoard because that my sister came here with one pair of pants you know that's right so it all stems to just learning these patterns and trying to outgrow them but yeah i think the maybe it's the connection but i guess Mm. we had a really dramatic Thing. There's something, um, one final thing we'll bring up that I haven't. You did get an award from President Barack Obama. <laughs> I did. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You went deep into the bio, didn't you? I did, but that's a big one. It was cool. Um, 2016, whew, in there by the skin of our chinny chin chins, uh, before the next administration came in, uh, I got to go to the White House and I brought my parents along, even though did they did not enjoy the travel nor understood the English proceedings. Um, yeah, I got an award as, uh, for as a leader in art and storyteller 
art and storytelling in the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. Yeah, I mean, I created like a stand-up comedy tour and a series of comedy festivals and did like, I don't know, I, I when people are like, I organize, like I, or, I was an organizer of people in politics and when I went into comedy, I just saw it as the same thing. I was like, I organize audiences now. You know what I mean? Like like-minded people. I want to meet like-minded people. And so that's what I did. And it was cool to like be acknowledged that like, I helped to organize a comedy community that were Asian American. Like a lot of really great things came out of all this like sweat and tears that I put into putting on fucking full on national tours and like comedy festivals. And did you, even though your parents did not understand the English proceedings of it all, was it like, can you sense their pride? They were very proud. Listen, they will understand nothing of what I've done in comedy. They didn't really care that I was a TV writer and my name was on a screen. That doesn't mean anything to them. They don't care that like, I don't know, I like dressed up glamorously for some event, you know, but like the moment they were like, wow, president of America gave you an award and we get to go to the White House. They understood that. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So you got to meet him. There was like a hand, like a photo or he did a speech. or what? Yeah, so I got to meet him at a banquet afterwards. So my parents weren't there, but they got to see me and like four other people talk about what we did or answer questions or something at the White House and then take a photo and go to the White House like gift shop and so much marble. Truly. So cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was nice. I don't know. They didn't understand comedy, so they could definitely understand getting going to the White House. And that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like you were in Veep? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you wear? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Like a sensible blazer, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You really do a blazer well. <laughs> I love blazers. Thank you so much. And thanks for asking me really good questions, too, because now I'm even, you know. <gasps> are you going to be processing? Should be jur- Are you going to journal after this? You should do a debrief. Of course. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. And so then I'll be able to, like, fully remember. But, yeah, about, like, intimacy, shutting people out, thinking people are mad at me, and, yeah, all of that stuff. The drama. I'm just learning about you, Lizzie. These are, these I know, are, these are just like open. initial questions, you know? Yeah. Just my instincts. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. And at the end of the day, I want to be a person that's not as pressed yes. about what people are doing. <sighs> I want to let things roll off and forgive and whatever and not hold on tight to other people's behaviors. For sure. And I'm on that journey. You know, it's just like, I also want to be better about physical fitness. You know, there's all these mm-hmm. things. I want to I want to do lots of things to better myself as a human. And none of them are really that easy. I want that piece for you. <laughs> Thank you. As I say, with my hands to my heart, moving towards you. <laughs> and I ho- are you and I hope you have a great wedding. Are you doing a big wedding? I'd like to. But that's why we've been holding off. Because it's like pandemic still. And will there be drama in terms of seating charts? Who's invited? Who's no. not? Easy. I, I, I don't care. It's just going to be a big party. Both he and I are extroverts. He used to be a DJ and like promoted fucking events and stuff. Like we're both like we need to like throw the biggest party. We need to invite everyone. 
people are going to hook up. Babies are going to be made. Like we want things to happen. We want to we want to make a cultural imprint in Los Angeles. <laughs> I fucking love that. People love to be like, oh, just our close friends or maybe my parent, but I don't want. And it's like, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone admit like, no, we want to have a huge party with everyone. Yeah. We as don't many exclude. people that we think are cool as possible. And there's going to be people that we think are cool who might not be invited. But like we want as many of them to mix as possible. I want like I want you to be freaking up on grandma. I want you to be like, you know what I mean? I want you to get drunk with like my uncle. Like I want you know, like <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no, no one ever says that. It's always like, I don't know, it's this much per plate. You gotta think who's worth it, who's not. And it's like, no, I like the idea of like I want a giant fucking yeah. Persian style yeah. 800 people. And if it requires me getting like sponsored brands to like pay for things, I don't fucking care. Love that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I ain't going to pay for all this to have a big party. Are you kidding me? But you know how to do things. This is the thing. This is <laughs> sometimes comics want a bitch. You're like, why do they get that? Or why do they? And it's like, because you I know how are to do doing things. stuff. Yeah, I know how to do things. For Most sure. comics don't know how to do anything. No, we don't. have no life skills. I have a lot of life skills. And you get things together and you know how to organize fucking people to a thing. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> To be funny and have skills. Wow, what a life. What a good life. And a fiance. Really crushing it. <laughs> Obama Awards. You really have killed it. I hope you have inspired some listeners. Or created enemies. Yeah. Call in with any um, bad blood you have with Jenny. Please. Yes. Thank you so much. Do you have anything to plug? Um, just follow me at JennyYang.tv. I have a podcast that came out called Going Through It with uh, MailChimp and Pineapple Street Media, where we talk about unexpected lessons we learn from our elders. It's very heartwarming and touching, very well produced. And um, and do you have the elders or people talk about? People talk about the elders that inspired them. Wow. Really interesting folks. And then I'm starting to do live comedy crossing shows. So go to my website, JennyYang.tv, or my social media at JennyYangTV. We're going to do live like, comedy crossing where like stand-up comedians will be on stage with a big screen of their avatar puppeteering them in my fake comedy club on my island. And you were already just playing this animal game yes. before. You just liked the game. Uh-huh. And then just as like, like LOLs, like just lols, uh, what if I like created a comedy club in my basement? I guess with the podcast about the elders, it's a moving, touching show, I imagine. I think so. Yeah. I like I like making people cry when I interview them. And <laughs> that's the manipulative part. <laughs> and it's a lot of great you know, that's I never had grandparents. Yeah. I'm gonna go to a medium soon. <gasps> I wanna like Have you seen After actually, Death on Netflix? Um, you have to watch after, Life After Death on Netflix. You have to. They talk about mediums. They talk but not about death to me. Near That's death. A no, show. it's a docu series, and it, they talk about afterlife. Wait, stuff. Jenny, the re it's busy. Phillips is whose medium I'm gonna go to. <gasps> I, I'm not friends with her in any way. I'm just a fan. No, we're not close. I worked for her. I know. Yeah. So she was on Las Culturistas. Yes, and she was saying that she got a call from Shantira Jackson, yep. and that Busy's grandma was in Shantira's reading, being like, "Can you tell Busy to holler at me?" But called Busy a name that only her grand, like oh, no one would know. Wow. So Shantira hit up Busy and was like, "Your grandma came in my reading and said this." And That's she, so wild. And so I have the person's name, and we communicate. I'm just like building up the courage, but 
I want to see if I have grandparents that can talk to me that oh I've my never God, met. I love that. I haven't met my paternal grandparents, but I met my maternal grandparents. Yeah, but it's your former boss, I guess. Yes. And that's like whose medium I hope to go that's to. That's exciting. No, yeah. yeah. Busy Phillips has all the secret white women tricks. She knows everything. Well, I've used to watch her work out yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, she got very sweaty. Yeah. And I let, yeah, she moved to New York and I loved that story too. She yes. talks about most culturistas. Yes. Her kids were arguing with other kids who who had more Instagram followers, whose parents. And she was like, I need to get my kids out of LA. They're like competing over whose parents have more Instagram followers. Ugh, yeah. It's fucking sick. Yeah. All right, well, I'm glad, <laughs> let's end it. So I'm doing this bad thing. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm assuming you loved it. You loved every moment. You loved it. You loved it so much. You love this episode. Get up there, rate it, review it, write a little ditty. Let's get this bitch going. Let's get me some ads. I want ads. Um, No, I'm mostly just like, can't believe I get a place and an opportunity to talk to such incredible people, learn, grow, all the good stuff. Don't forget to call in or write in emails with any of your problems for more advice. Clearly, I'm not giving you the number. I'm sitting in a bathtub topless. God bless. <laughs> Why would I ever say that? <laughs> um, but thank you for listening. Jenny Yang, everyone. I will see you next time. Enemies is a headgum podcast. Trish Hadley is our executive producer, engineer, and editor. Katie Moose is our supervising producer from HeadGum. Me, Lisa Traeger, I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You're incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at either at GlitterCheese or at Enemies Podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com or calling 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.